All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Welcome to MMA Fancast. My name's Luke, and today I am joined by number eight, according to Tapology, ranked in the USA middleweight pro division, and number two in all of Canada pro middleweight division, uh, Aaron Jeffrey. Aaron Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It is great having you on. Um, there's a, a few things to talk about, obviously. Uh, you're nine and two as a pro. You're on a three-fight win streak, and you just for LFA uh, a couple months back, you fought uh, a guy we had on the show before, Aaron Petrosky, who was previously sorry, Andre Petrosky, who was previously um, undefeated, and you knocked him out in the second round. And if it's okay with you, can we start with that fight? That LFA is on UFC Fight Pass. A lot of eyes were looking at you, particularly Philly. USA eyes because Andre had a great following as an undefeated middleweight. You came in um, to LFA and knocked him out in the second round. So let's talk about that fight first. Yeah, it was uh, it was great fighting for LFA. Um, obviously, a, a huge promotion. They're on Fight Pass, like you said. It was the main event, so it was really big. Um, they're all very professional there. They treated me well. Um, they they run a really good show. Uh, and yeah, Andre was a, a super tough guy. We knew coming in that uh, he had a great wrestling background. Um, he was undefeated. Uh, we knew it was going to be a, a tough fight, and he took it to me in the first round. Um, and I kind of had to, to rally and come back and, and got the finish in the second. Well, and you getting finishes is actually something that's pretty much your hallmark or at least something that happens a lot for you you've had seven ko stoppages one submission stoppage so out of nine pro wins eight are by stoppage um is that something that you think will continue um as you continue to fight more and more that you'll continue to find a way to get stoppages i hope so man i think uh, i think that's what every fighter hopes for and uh, and yeah like you said i think my finish rate is is pretty good right now so uh I don't see I don't see any reason why it's going to stop. Well, and obviously that is a great attitude to have. I do know that you were on the contender series. It's one of your it's one of your losses on your record. If it's okay for you, can you kind of talk about that experience being on the contender series even though you came away with a loss? What have you gained since then? You've had 3 wins. So it's not like you're the worst for wear. You've actually been better after it. But if you could talk about that setback a little bit. For sure, yeah. I fought a, a really tough guy there too, uh, in Brendan Allen. Um, he uh, he had a lot more experience than me. Uh, he had been in fighting in LFA and fighting experienced guys, and he was uh, he was obviously very close to to the UFC already. I think they had considered him a few times before. Um, yeah, I, uh, got the short end of the stick in that one. He he hit me with a solid knee in the clinch and dropped me, uh, and he ended up locking up a, a rear naked choke on the ground. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good experience. Again, um, another super professional show, obviously it's, uh, it's the UFC treatment you get there. Um, so, so everything's done very well. Um, I think, uh, I think I just, I learned that I, I deserve to be there. I felt good there. Um, I felt at home, like in the UFC octagon, uh, I have more experience now. I think if I get the call now, I'm just that much more prepared. Well, that's the perfect attitude to have. It also is noteworthy that when I was saying that you've had these seven knockout wins, three of them have come after your contender series uh, situation. And now the contender series has been around for a couple seasons. It's clear that Dana 
or at least people under Dana, continues to follow the former Contender Series guys. We've seen that happen where guys will come back on the show again or even jump right to the UFC. A quick Contender Series follow-up, that happened in 2019, so it was pre-COVID. What can you compare fighting pre-COVID to post-COVID? Because you've had post-COVID fights, you've had pre-COVID fights, and kind of if there's anything, is there anything positive about fighting post-COVID with the restrictions, anything that you have found to maybe be a little bit beneficial with the current restrictions? Um, hmm, that's a good question, actually. Anything positive from it? Um, I don't know. There's no audience. Uh, I'm sure some fighters take that as a positive. Maybe it feels like less stressful, uh, less pressure on when you know there, there's less people in the building watching you. Um, for me, honestly, I don't notice a huge difference. I think like once you're in there and the bell rings, I don't really notice... Uh, cheering or screaming or anything like that so so for me it's uh, not a big difference a um, couple of the negatives are that the travel restrictions in Canada are getting a bit more difficult uh, after my last two fights I had to quarantine for two weeks when I got home uh, so that's a little bit inconvenient um, COVID tests aren't fun getting that swab stuck up your nose but uh, yeah we'll, we get it done yeah, um, I think maybe, and you said about the crowd noise, uh, can you tell a difference in hearing your corner or were you always able to hear your corner even with a crowd? No, I'm, I've been pretty good at that uh, my whole career, actually. I'm, I think I'm pretty aware in there and I'm, I'm good at hearing my corner's voice and uh, following the instructions. So, uh, yeah, again, for me, once, once the bell rings, it's, it's all kind of the same. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's always good to, to hear that it hasn't been any negative impact on you. And obviously you've had some great wins, even with the restrictions and even with those things. Uh, you mentioned Canada, obviously you're from Canada, you live in Canada, you're well ranked in Canada. There doesn't always tend to be a ton of uh, maybe MMA competition in Canada, nothing against Canada. Obviously George St. Pierre, the greatest and best known Canadian fighter and probably the, the best fighter of all times, particularly if he comes back and beeps uh, and, and, and beats Habib. I don't even know why we're talking about it. I think at this point it's going to happen, but it's just crazy to think that that might be happening. But as far as being in Canada, what's it? What's the MMA scene training and competing-wise in Canada, um, and, and, and how's that been for you before taking fights in, in the U.S.? Um, well, almost all of my fights have been in the U.S., even back uh, to my amateur career. Um, I know on Topology, all my amateur fights aren't listed. I actually had nine amateur fights, and now I've had 11 pro fights. Uh, so out of, I think that makes 20 fights total, I've only had two in Canada. Um, mm. Yeah, there's there's not much of a scene here, man. Uh, the West Coast has had a few shows pretty consistently, like out in B.C., um, but where I am in Ontario, there's really not a whole lot. The, the one promotion I fought for BTC, um, they were doing really well before COVID. They kind of had sparked up the MMA scene again and, and it felt like new and exciting. Um, and they were doing big things and now COVID kind of squashed everything. Um, so yeah, it's tough, but, uh, luckily like we're very close to the border here. So I'm able to get fights in, in Philly, um, or different different cities in Ohio and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I've been lucky. And are you driving or flying in? Uh, mostly driving. Um, up until, actually, my contenders fight was, uh, was the first fight that I ever flew mm -hmm. in for. Um, yeah, mostly drives. Uh, not, not crazy drives. I think most of my amateur fights in like my, the beginning of my pro career were mostly in Ohio. Six to eight hour drives, something like that. 
the fight I had uh, after Contender Series actually was uh, out on the East Coast. I think that was like a, an 11-hour drive. That was a long one. Yeah, I, I have been told. I mean, you're Canadian. You would know this more. But somebody told me that maybe 80% of people that live in Canada live within a couple hours of the U.S. border as yeah. far as it's kind of yeah. centered right right there. You know, so. Exactly. And we're, uh, we're like right by Toronto. So I think we're the, the most populated area in Canada right where I am. I don't know if you follow uh, Major League Baseball. Are you at all fans of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays? Um, I don't really follow it too much, but uh, yeah, I'm always rooting for them. Like all my buddies are, are big baseball fans uh, and the city gets pretty crazy when the Jays are doing well, for sure. Only reason why I brought up the Jays is I uh, am not a fan at all. They beat the Philadelphia Phillies in 1993 World Series. Yeah. And so that's that's when I was a kid and I even learned what Toronto was. It wasn't like I really knew a lot about Canada. So um, I, that's a problem. So you cannot be a Toronto Blue Jay fan. I'm just kidding. Hey, I take um, it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's great. I joke. I, I will get off baseball in a second, but I joke that that's the only reason why the World Series can be called the World Series because it's the only Major League Baseball oh. team that's not in the U.S. Otherwise, it would be called the U.S. Series. So thank you to Canada for that. Oh. But um, when you talk about your amateur career, what have you seen now that you're a seasoned pro, you know, already 11 – pro fights in, you're fighting for a belt, which we'll talk about here in a second. What do you look back at now and appreciate the most about your amateur career? Um, I think the the experience I got was a lot different from a lot of, a lot of other people's amateur careers. I know uh, like we do have some amateur fights in Canada now uh, and the rule set's very strange. Like you have to wear shin guards, you have to wear bigger gloves. There's no ground and pound on the ground. I think it's two minute rounds. So it's like, it's hardly an MMA fight. Uh, I know in Pennsylvania, there's shin guards uh, and I think two minute rounds as well. Um, but where I was fighting in Ohio, it was uh, it was small gloves. I think it was either four or six ounce gloves, uh, no shin guards and three minute rounds. So um, it's, it's pretty much almost a, a pro MMA fight. So uh, yeah, I had uh, nine amateur fights. So I think that was a very solid experience before turning pro. So you think the experience of longer rounds and a better rule set, like a, a more uh, free rule set, Pennsylvania, yeah. it's not worth going in because you're a pro now, but Pennsylvania actually has three levels of um, amateur. Well, it has, three, it has two amateur levels and then pro. So right. three levels in Pennsylvania. The, yeah, the yeah. most basic is pretty restrictive, and a lot of people complain that yeah. it's not necessarily authentic to what pro is. You tend to be a striker. Did you know early on that you needed a rule set that favored uh, what you can do striking? Because I've seen some of your knockouts have come by knees, and that's uh, pretty prohibited in the amateur rule sets. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's funny that you say that. Actually, uh, like I was more of a jujitsu guy when I first started my career. Like my gym was primarily a, a jujitsu gym, although I, I started in MMA right away, but it was primarily a jujitsu gym. And now I train at primarily a, a wrestling gym. Um, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well known for my striking apparently. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how that worked out, but, uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, it's weird to, to be in a fight and, and know that you can't use uh, certain tools and you got to be aware of that for sure. Well, being in a pro for you, uh, if we could quickly summarize, what have you learned the most about yourself and kind of 
where you are as a pro because you're now in 11. So amateur is a distant memory from you. Thank you for reflecting on that. But what have you been learning in your pro career? Um, it's a good question too. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, man. Like it, it happens, uh, it happens so fast. Like I, I feel like I'm still very new to the sport. Um, like I feel, I feel like I'm still one of the young guys at the gym, even though now in my gym, I'm, I'm the most experienced guy. I have the most fights. Uh, but it, it goes by like super quickly. And now, like you're saying, you see me on the rankings, like ranked pretty high in the States and in Canada. Um, and, uh, I guess I don't really take the time to, to like reflect about it all that much. Like I never consider myself as like a, a top ranked guy or close to the USC or anything like that. I think I kind of still just taking it one, one fight at a time. Absolutely. Well, and that's a great attitude of humility. And I think anytime a fighter in the UFC or outside of the UFC starts uh, that attitude that they're better than it, it leads to disaster pretty quickly. We've seen that. Now you mentioned fight at a time and you have a great opponent coming up. He's also a contender series veteran, uh, the current champion for CFFC at middleweight, also a record of nine and two. There's a lot of similarities there. Colin Huckbody. Um, and looking at that fight, some fighters spend a lot of time looking at their opponent. Some fighters don't. What are, what, what are your thoughts about Colin, the, the current champion? Because you are the um, you are the challenger here in this fight. Yeah, like you said, exact same record as me, nine and two. Um, very tough guy. He won his fight on the contender series and was signed. Um, I guess he he had turned down the contract because he didn't feel ready, which uh, that's a super humble move on his part. If he felt he wanted more experience, I think that's great. Um, uh, I'm thinking people are probably kind of seeing this as like a striker versus grappler type of matchup. Uh, he's got a lot of wins by submission, um, looks to have a, a strong wrestling base. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, everyone seems to think of me as a, a kickboxer. So I'm sure that's, uh, kind of how this fight is, is being looked at. Um, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a tough opponent. Uh, but I think I match up well against him. Well, it is great to see you kind of give him his due because he certainly has a great record and good experience while also one of the greatest mental aspects of going into a fight is being able to see yourself and the skills you have and the fight is dictated by what you decide to do in there, which is just uh, just wonderful. And it's why you're doing as well as you're doing. You've played the spoiler already to uh, Petrovsky in your last fight for LFA. Just until your followership grows, because obviously GSB was followed by millions and millions of people who have never been to Canada and certainly don't know anything about Canadian fighters. Um, are you comfortable in the role of being sort of the the outsider, the guy that's brought in to fight the more local guy. Is that something you're comfortable doing? Yeah, for sure. Again, like all my fights have been down in the States. Um, so I, I'm used to being the the kind of enemy coming into home turf. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, and that's, a, it, that's again, a, a great mental thing. I think one thing that can happen, I'm a big fan of regional MMA. I live near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and so I'm involved in the – um, in a promotion that's in Pittsburgh, 247 Fighting Championships. And they've had some people leave there and go to the UFC and Bellator. So they're doing great pre-COVID, of course. Mm -hmm. But one thing that can happen with regional MMA is uh, a local fighter can get very comfortable fighting in their hometown with their own fans, with their own home, waking up, not in a hotel, all those comforts. And then they get a call up to an LFA or a contenders. And you sometimes see... Um, 
them drop off. What is the biggest success about going into an unfamiliar area and having to fight? Because you've clearly done it over probably 20 times now. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's it's all I've ever known. So, I, I mean, I've had two fights in Canada now, so I do have something to compare it to. But, uh, yeah, that's just the norm for me. It's what I've done my whole career, like you said, probably – Almost all of my 20 fights have been uh, pretty far away, like driving long distance and, and being the out-of-town guy, so I'm used to it. Um, actually, I had one fight uh, just outside Toronto. Uh, it was probably like 20 minutes from where I was living, so I got to, to sleep at home and eat all my own food, and I didn't have to stay in a hotel or anything. I found that uh, very strange. I think I actually prefer going on the trip to fight instead. Well, it could make sense that you prefer it because it um, it kind of sends signals to your mind that hey, the, the fight's coming up when you're in a hotel, when you're not eating your own your own food type stuff. So that does kind of make sense. It's interesting what what seems like preparation. Now you're wearing a T-shirt right now that says Jeffrey Bros uh, Lifting Company, and I'm guessing that's your last name. So can you talk a little about what that is um, for you there? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, it's. Uh... It's actually just a joke that me and my brother have. Anytime we're doing like some work around the house or anything, we uh, always joke with a Jeffrey Bros Construction Co. or Jeffrey Bros Plumbing Co. Uh, or if we're working out, we're the Jeffrey Bros Lifting Co. So uh, just kind of an inside family joke. And I made these shirts for us for Christmas. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. I have an identical twin brother, and we have a, a Payson brother shirt that we wear um, as well. It, we weren't as smart to make it like a lifting company. Um, does your does your brother do MMA, or is like he outside of the MMA world? No, uh, he doesn't. But he's actually the reason I got into it. Uh, he's a bit older than me, and he was watching fights and stuff with uh, his buddies. And then he wanted to start training. And we found a, a little gym in the small town that we're from, and I started training with him. Um, and he ended up stopping like pretty short into it, but uh, I kept going. Well, hey, that is a great that is a great story for you as far as that your brother got you interested in it and started going and now you've made it i think that's what a lot of people experience in mma you could try it out but it has to be special for you jumping way back to when you were starting with your brother when did you know that this was going to be something that would be kind of a big deal for you um well yeah we started at a, a small gym in the town i'm from it's called tulsamarga ontario the the population is like sixteen thousand people um so I started here and then I moved away to, to university um, to a bigger city uh, near Niagara Falls and I found a good gym there and and started training a bit more consistently and taking it more seriously and did a couple of jiu-jitsu tournaments. And then uh, one day the coach asked me uh, if I was ready to take an MMA fight and I had never even considered it, but I said yes. Um, and I got beat up pretty bad in my first amateur fight, but I loved it. And uh, yeah, I think that's when I knew. What's it like, because you said you got beat up, I'm guessing that was a loss, although Tapology has you undefeated in mm -hmm. amateur, but they don't have three of your fights. Yeah. What was it like coming off of getting beat up and, and taking a loss in your first fight and knowing that you wanted to do it more as opposed to knowing that you didn't want to do it anymore? Yeah, it was it was amazing. I was I think I was like 19 years old. Uh, I drove down to Ohio. I got into a cage fight. I was actually in the main event, even though I was uh, – 
a zero and zero fighter. I fought, yeah. I fought the hometown guy. I think he was like three and one at the time. He was supposed to be like the, the big tough guy in Ohio. Um, he beat me the first two rounds. I came back and I won the third round pretty handily. Um, and yeah, I got to come back home with some black eyes and some marks on my face and tell all my buddies that I just had an MMA fight. So it was awesome. Wow. Well, that does show how the fighter's mindset is different than maybe other people that would have seen that as maybe a not great situation being brought in a three and one versus a debut in some ways might not even be a good matchup as far as balance goes, but it's great that you saw it as an opportunity uh, for you. When you look ahead at this fight, who are some people that are important to you um, as far as sponsors or coaches supports to you as, as far as a list of thank yous go for you when you're headed into this fight here, March, 12th is your is your fight who are some of the people that uh make this possible for you on the back end yeah uh my my two head coaches Lyndon Whitlock he uh he runs all my striking stuff uh got to give him credit for like all the knockouts and everything that I have he's he's the guy that's uh, the mastermind behind all the striking so a huge shout out to him uh my other head coach is Chris Prickett uh I actually live with him um so outside of fighting he's done a lot for me he let me stay with him rent free for a long time like you know fighters often struggle when we're on the regional scene to make ends meet so he's done a lot for me um he's also my uh my head wrestling coach um and then just everyone who supports me man like family friends my mother's been a huge support for me my whole career my girlfriend uh, my brother my sister um yeah all my buddies back home everyone well um i that's a great list. I'm glad you went through that. I do think you, you you threw it out there that being on the regional MMA scene and you're a high-ranked pro regional MMA scene that's been competing for some of the best regional promotions, LFA, CFFC, uh, potentially UFC soon, um, it does go towards the determination. What gives you, particularly when the finances aren't really there and you've got to juggle it, live you know, figure out living situations. Some people work multiple jobs, all that stuff. I've had a fighter on here who's a professional tree cutter. He's climbing trees all day, cutting trees, and then he fights for Bellator on the side. But when you when you think about it, what gives you the determination to kind of persevere through what is a challenging maybe five, ten years? Yeah, um, that's a good question too. I, I I would say like similar to what I answered one of the other questions. I just at this point, I just don't know any different i've been doing it for so long it just feels normal to be like broke and tired and like living at my coach's house and just grinding at the gym every day and fighting on small shows i mean it just uh i guess that's my life now it's been yeah like i said 10 years so i mean a third of my life pretty much so it's normal well it does go towards the power of acceptance right you've accepted that this is what it takes and um and it's become what you're okay with for now. I'm not talking forever, but I do think that's something that can be overlooked when people just watch the UFC. Um, anybody that watches this show, I'm constantly bringing up the value of regional regional MMA, you know, because regional MMA produces the talent that makes it to Bellator, WSRF1, and UFC. But in regional, there's a lot of sacrifices that happen. Now, one last question as we wrap up and look towards the fight. Um, what is something that you'd like to say uh, for a reason for a fan to tune in on UFC Fight Pass? It is on UFC Fight Pass, which means if somebody has UFC Fight Pass, it's free. They can watch it. It's part of their subscription. Why should somebody tune in 
on March 12th, particularly to your fight for the middleweight belt for CFFC 92, 93. Yeah, I think, like you said, regional MMA is super important. And uh, a lot of people don't realize these these fighters have been like the, the big guys that they're watching in the UFC, like uh, any of the current champions, like any of these like super popular guys, Conor McGregor, whoever it is, um, they, they started on the regional scene uh, and this is where they came up. So um, like anyone on the CFFC event, they could be like the next big thing. They could be the next Conor McGregor. Uh, and then for the main event fight, me and uh, Huckbody were, were two guys that are on the brink right now. So uh, again, two guys that could be in the, in the UFC soon kind of making an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's exactly, you said it so well um, to get to know the fighters on their ascent up to the UFC is big. I think CFFC has launched many UFC fighters. Paul Feldner was one of their champions. I know that's, that's a name that can stick out there. Um, well, I'm looking forward to watching you. I can't wait to see you in action. I do hope you're able to come back on the show after you win the belt to talk about it and give us an update on you. Thanks so much for taking time out. Best wishes to you. Thanks so much, man.